This is Coffee, Wine, and Chocolate, a podcast inspired by people, places, and things. Welcome. I'm your host, Dawn. You can find me at all the links I've provided below in the notes. But specifically, you can find me at the podcast website, which is coffeewineandchocolate.com. Wine. White wines and the different varieties of white wine. My partner likes red wine, but his body accepts the white better than the red. Now, I love the red. It's one of my faves. But I have gotten used to drinking the white wines because of his taste and his needs. And the tannins in the red affect a lot of people. So... Even if you do like the reds, a lot of times you have to switch over to the whites or to the lighter brands like the the Zinfandels and and the lighter wines. So today I'm focusing on whites. As I've said before, I started drinking sweet wines first. My palate slowly turned to the less sweet and to dry wines. I tend to lean toward Chardonnay, Pinot Grigio, Chenin Blanc, and Sauvignon Blanc. Where I had started with Moscato and Sweet Riesling and Muscadine. I had started enjoying wines when I was working for the adjusting insurance companies. When we would have parties with attorney offices. Then on with friends from there. When I moved to Georgia to help my parents with their store. They decided to bring in wine to have in the back area with the coffee. They started by going to different Georgia wineries so we could support Georgia wineries in our Georgia store. Then I started to go to some with them to help in the choices and to see how they did their wine tastings since we would be doing them as well. There are some great wines in Georgia, let me tell you. Now that I have moved to London and my partner is really knowledgeable in French and Italian wines, I've learned even more. I would definitely go to some wineries and try the different wines if you haven't done so before. If you have before, go do it again. It's fun and a great experience. And you get a lot of knowledge just going to some of the wine tastings. And I am definitely going to continue to do so just for the experience. So now on with the episode. To bring this back around to the Mental Health Awareness Month, um, I did uh, focus a little bit out of the ordinary last week from the thalidomide because it was so it had so affected me by being there with them, and I really enjoyed the time I had with them and getting to know them better. And uh, anyway, so i now have decided to continue of course with the mental health month and this month or this episode i'm going to talk about mental illness and food and the process that we go through using food with our mental illness or with our mental goodness i should say because food can be such a positive to help us with our mental health and mental well-being and so I just wanted to talk to you about it just a little bit today and uh, bring in a few articles and just kind of talk through what I've been through and hopefully 
some of you have experienced the same and can share maybe a little bit of it with me. And uh, so let's go ahead with mental health and food. A post on Twitter from a Tom Shakespeare shared from The Guardian, an article that was called, When My Husband Left Me, I Headed for the Kitchen. Here's How Comfort Food Can Save the Soul by B. Wilson. Um, and this, in her article, she talks about being bereft when her marriage suddenly ended after 22 years. Solace came from meatballs, eggy bread, and her most beloved meals. She talks to four other people who pieced themselves back together with food. She states, The day after my husband first said he didn't love me anymore, I made a Nigella recipe for Parmesan French toast. Big wadges of white bread soaked in egg with Parmesan, Dijon mustard, and Worcestershire sauce. Fried in butter to a deep golden brown. It reminded me of the eggy bread my mother would make when I was a child. The week after that, having told our children their dad was leaving, I made meatballs from the Falliston cookbook by Sammy Tamimi and Tara Wigley. It's fiddly, but worth it. Each meatball is sandwiched between slices of roasted aubergine and tomato, with a rich tomato sauce on top, followed by torn basil leaves after it comes out of the oven. I serve the meatballs with a big pot of coarse bulgur wheat cooked with bay leaves, which is one of my carbs of choice when I am feeling fragile. I've been eating a lot of bulgur lately. People talk about comfort food as if it were a kind of trivial indulgence, but this is missing the point. True comfort food isn't sticky toffee pudding on a cozy night in or sausages and mash on a crisp cold night. It's the deeply personal flavors and textures you turn to when life has punched you in the gut. Comfort food should really be called trauma food. It's what you cook and eat to remind you you're alive when you are not entirely sure this is true. At least, this is how it was has been for me. And then she goes on and talks about the different things that she did, about the warning signs, about what went on and and how she should have seen it, but she didn't. And then how she dealt with it by preparing food and bringing other people into what she was doing and helping them as well. And it's a very good article, and I would suggest that you um, take a glance at it, read it if you if you feel like it. I will um, have this article in my notes, of course. I'll read another part that she says right here. It says, might. It might seem that cooking would be the last thing a person would want to do when they are in a state of life or death trauma, but that hasn't been the experience of Ryan Riley, a 28-year-old food writer from Sunderland who co-founded Life Kitchen with his best friend Kimberly Duke. Life Kitchen is a cookery school for people who have lost their sense of smell or taste during cancer treatment or from COVID. Riley was inspired to set it up after seeing how depressed his mother, Krista, was to lose her interest in food when she was dying of lung cancer. At the end of her life, almost the only food Krista would enjoy was ice lollies. Giving a person with cancer the chance to spend a sociable afternoon cooking delicious food is a, quote, a spark of life when everything else is very dark, unquote, Riley says. 
He works with scientist Barry Smith to develop recipes that can still be enjoyed by those whose sense of smell or taste is impaired. For example, by boosting the levels of umami in a dish dish with miso or marmite. Or by adding a squeeze of citrus to cut the sweetness in dessert. Many cancer sufferers lose their sweet tooth. Yet they also yearn for the old pleasure of sharing sweet things. I just think this article is really neat and it has a whole bunch of different stories and reasons why people turn to cooking. I remember when we were first going through COVID and the and the pandemic hit really hard in 2020 and many people turned to cooking and what is called comfort food when they are going through something like trauma, anxiety, or stress. It's like their own form of therapy, right? That is how B. Wilson explains what she went through and dealt with her problems and in turn helped others. But as I say, it's what many of us did during the first year of the pandemic with the lockdown. We were cooking banana bread and so many other things to keep ourselves busy and comforted during that time. I know I was trying all kinds of cooking, such as cheesecake, puff pastry with my um, with fruit filling, casseroles, and my own meals, along with banana bread, of course. And so I know we all had that need to do something to keep ourselves busy um, if it wasn't cooking it was growing the foods that we would be cooking and growing our own gardens for the vegetables that we would need because who knew when we would be able to get all the vegetables that we needed because everything was getting short or being hard to get to because you had to quarantine or whatever it was and so a lot of us grew our own vegetables and tried to cook as much as we could in mass so that we would have some left over and, and put in the freezer. I know, um, I know it wasn't just me. I I've talked to so many that did the same thing. So I totally understand where she comes from when she says that that food helps us through trauma and through mental health. And there's another article that I found. It's called eating well for mental health and it's on sutterhealth.org. And it states, from young age, we're taught that eating well helps us look and feel our physical best. What we're not always told is that good nutrition significantly affects our mental health too. A healthy, well-balanced diet can help us think clearly and feel more alert. It can also improve concentration and attention span. How about that? Conversely, an inadequate diet can lead to fatigue, impaired decision-making, and can slow down reaction time. In fact, a poor diet can actually aggravate and may even lead to stress and depression. Well, that wouldn't be good, would it? (laughs) One of the biggest health impairments is society's reliance on processed foods. These foods are high in flowers and sugar and train the brain to crave more of them, rather than nutrient-rich foods such as fruits and vegetables. I have always been told by my doctors that... I need to stay away from processed food because my body is one that stores it all. So, and so I have learned to stay away from processed food as much as possible. And uh, so this article is very, very good. And I will also 
put this in the notes. It's a very interesting article about eating well for mental health and the foods that you can eat to help with your uh, mental well-being. And it's, it's very good. It's a good article. One thing I, ha- I have noticed um, regarding my mental health and eating well is any time that I eat really well, I feel like I have more energy. I feel like I'm I'm better in my skin. Like I'm more comfortable in my skin. I I feel like when I'm eating well, I'm not so heavy and I'm light on my feet, lighter than I'm, than I usually am. I feel like I have better stamina to get things done and to um, exercise when I need to and not get exhausted and not my body's not hurting as as bad as it was before so I know eating well does actually help and I know that when when I eat for comfort like fatty foods like chocolate and and I don't mean the good chocolate like dark chocolate I mean like any chocolate during the holidays right and desserts and carby foods like pastas and and cakes and you know all the bad stuff that you love um but that's the kind of thing that we go toward for comfort and unfortunately because of that reason that's when we gain weight that's when we lose energy that's when we are not really feeling up to doing that much just being like a quote-unquote couch potato (laughs) and uh it's hard to learn not to do that all the time. And I definitely am learning all the time. I'm always processing new ways of taking care of myself. And that's one of them is just eating better. And so I definitely felt like this was a good, I felt like this was a very good subject to share today because a lot of us go through this and it's good to know what foods are good and what are not for your mental health. And so um, I will now um, just list some of the things that are actually good for you. And you can look for in things that are not so good for you. So here you go. So this article, it, it states, Sugar and processed foods can lead to infl- inflammation throughout the body and brain, which may contribute to mood disorders, including anxiety and depression. Then to boost your mental health, focus on eating plenty of fruits and vegetables, along with foods rich in omega-3 fatty acids, such as salmon. Dark green leafy vegetables, in particular, are brain protective. Nuts, seeds, and legumes, such as beans and lentils, are also excellent brain foods. Then it states under mindful eating, Paying attention to how you feel when you eat and what you eat is one of the first steps in making sure you're getting well-balanced meals and snacks. If you find you overeat when stressed, it may be helpful to stop what you're doing when the urge to eat arises and to write down your feelings. By doing this, you may discover what's really bothering you. Sometimes stress and depression are severe and can't be managed alone. For some, eating disorders develop. If you find it hard to control your eating habits, whether you're eating too much or too little, 
your health may be in jeopardy. So just pay attention to how, be mindful on how you're eating and what you're going through when you do. And then it states under brain food. While your brain and nervous system depend on nutrition to build new proteins, cells, and tissues, your brain and nervous system depend on nutrition to build new proteins, cells, and tissues. In order to function effectively, your body requires a variety of carbohydrates, proteins, and minerals, of course. The top three foods to incorporate into a healthy mental diet are complex carbohydrates such as brown rice and starchy vegetables can give you energy. Quinoa, millet, beets, and sweet potatoes have more nutritional value and will keep you satisfied longer than the simple carbohydrates found in sugar and candy. Lean proteins also lend energy that allows your body to think and react quickly. Good sources of protein include chicken, meat, fish, eggs, soybeans, nuts, and seeds. And then the last one is fatty acids are crucial for the proper function of your brain and nervous system. You can find them in fish, meat, eggs, nuts, and flax seeds. And it says states here that to, um, healthy eating tips are like to stay clear of processed snack foods, such as potato chips, which can impair your ability to concentrate. That's a shame. Everyone loves potato chips, right? Pass up sugar-filled snacks, such as candy and soft drinks. Dang. Which lead, which lead to ups and downs in energy levels, of course. Uh, consume plenty of healthy fats such as olive oil, coconut oil, and avocado. This will support your brain function. Very good suggestions there. Do all those. Have a healthy snack when hunger strikes, such as fruit, nuts, hard-boiled eggs, baked sweet potatoes, or edamame. This will give you more energy than packaged products, of course. Develop a healthy shopping list and stick to it. Don't shop while hungry. <laughs> I found that out through the years. That's the worst time to go is when you're hungry to go to the grocery store because you want to buy everything in sight. Think about where and when you eat. Don't eat in front of the television, which can be distracting and cause you to overeat. Instead, find a place to sit, relax, and really notice while you're eating. Chew slowly, savor the taste and texture. I definitely have learned about that because when you sit in front of the TV or have other things going on around you, you're not focusing on how you're eating and what you're eating. You're focusing on what's in front of you other than the food. And it's good to just sit with um, by yourself or with those you love and sit there and enjoy the meal together, talk about it, enjoy each other's company and what's been going on, and that way you're focusing on what you're eating and taking your time and doing so instead of rushing through something and then overeating. That way you won't overeat, and you'll actually enjoy the meal. So that was that's all I need to talk about today for the episode regarding um, mental health and food. And I hope that in some way this has helped you. Because I know having, for the last few years, learned a lot of this just because of my body changing and things that were happening around me, I needed to focus on what was going on and make a better 
plan on how I was dealing with food and everything else around me. So hopefully this has helped you. On to the next show. Here is the the positive news article that I like to share next. Okay, so today for my positive news article, um, it's in actually positive.news, and it's called Mental Health Awareness Week, 17 Bright Ideas That Are Boosting Well-Being. And there's 17 different ideas. I will read the ideas out to you, and I may comment on, on a few, but I also will include this article down below in my notes as well so that you can get in, get onto that and read it yourself. Um, it starts with... To mark Mental Health Awareness Week 2022, we shine a light on pioneering projects that are improving the well-being of millions. Number one, Chili Con Carne. In a surprising career twist, rapper Loyal Carnier, Carner, Carner, Chili Con Carner is what it's called, uh, launched a cookie, cookery, sorry, <laughs> launched a cookery school for teens with ADHD and anxiety. A dab hand in the kitchen. The musician is spreading the word on the therapeutic benefits of cooking. After teaming up with Mikey, I'm going to probably demolish this name, Chris Njowski from the Goma Collective Social Enterprise. Number two is Care Farms. The UK is home to an estimated 250 care farms, which host vulnerable people and engage them in forming in farming as a form of therapy. They target groups such as dementia patients, young people at risk of school exclusion, and people with learning disabilities. Third one is mental health swims. Cold water swimmers swear that icy dips do wonders for their mental health. One advocate is Rachel Ash, founder of the social enterprise Mental Health Swims. Number four is Action for Happiness. Like all good ideas, Action for Happiness started life as a note scrawled on a piece of paper. It has since grown into a mass participation movement with hundreds of thousands of members who take part in a wide range of activities. Number five, the campaign against living miserably. That's a good campaign. Figures reveal that 4,912 people took their own lives in England in 2020. That's about 94 people a week. The vast majority are men. These stark stats are why the campaign against living miserably exists. Led by Simon Gunning, it has been needed more than ever during the pandemic. Taking an extra 130,000 calls to its free confidential and anonymous helpline, as well as seeing a 100% uptick in web visits. That's pretty cool. Number six, duty to care. Even as the pandemic recedes, many healthcare professionals are experiencing burnout. It raises the question, who's looking after their mental health? I'm always wondering this because they've gone through so much. Number seven, the Orchard Project. Birds singing, apples glistening on trees. It's not a scene most of us would associate with prisons, but that's exactly what those at the Orchard Project hope to achieve. The charity in 
is partnering with the Ministry of Justice to create an orchard in every prison in England and Wales, as well as boosting fruit production and biodiversity. The project helps inmates become more resilient and less likely to reoffend by giving them horticultural skills. Very cool. Number eight is Supernova. The link between social media and social mental health is well documented, with some of the major platforms being dogged by claims that they pro- profit from fake news and divisive content. If only there was an alternative. Well, now there is. Supernova, launched by former Saatchi advertising maestro Dominic O'Meara. It helps design... It was designed to stop users scrolling through file. Number nine, UK Men's Sheds Association. This association does important mental health work behind closed doors, the doors of sheds in particular. (laughs) Loneliness among older people disproportionately affects men, and this isolation can have huge knock-on impacts on both mental and physical health. So bringing together groups of men to do woodwork together as well as chat and share experiences, is one way to tackle the issue. Very cool. Number 10, Nourish. It's a story that will be familiar to many new moms. The transition from being a strong, independent career woman to a mother whose focus was nappies, sleep routines, and night feeds was one of the most challenging life adjustments I have ever been through, said mother of two, Sarah Compton. Consumed by feelings of failure, compounded by the sense she was alone in her turmoil, Campen went on to channel those dark days into a mental wellness app called Nourish. Number 11, Climate Cafes. It's hard to talk about climate change because climate change hurts. But not talking about it, question mark, well, that's worse. At least that's according to Rebecca Nestor of the Climate Psychology Alliance, an association that explores the psychological impact of global heating. To help people open up about the subject, Nestor launched a series of meetings in her native Oxford where people could discuss the crisis over tea and cake. Number 12, The Wave Project. In 2010, Joe Taylor ran a six-week pilot project in Watergate Bay, Cornwall, where 20 young people with mild to severe mental health issues were given one-to-one surfing lessons. The WAVE project was the UK's first surf therapy course funded by the National Health Service. Black Minds Matter. The killings of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and other black people at the hands of police officers formed the backdrop to the creation of the Black Minds Matter UK charity. Agnes, I can't say her last name. It's spelled M-W-A-K-A-T-U-M-A. Vaktuma. And her co-founder, Annie Nash, envisioned an organization where black people can receive the healing that they deserve. Number 14, give a song. It started out as a project to tackle social isolation during lockdown. The idea, to send musicians to perform on the doorsteps of vulnerable Southeast Londoners, bringing them cheer as the lonely days passed. 
But even though COVID restrictions have eased, many people are still feeling isolated. So Give a Song has continued its uplifting work. Very cool. Number 15, the men check-in group. A problem shared is a problem halved. But men don't always find it easy to open up. Enter the men check-in group. An online support group for men. Number 16, mental health mates. Convinced of the power of bringing people together so they feel connected, journalist Bryony Gordon launched Mental Health Mates, a network for people who are experiencing mental health challenges. Number 17, Hearts and Minds. Hearts and Minds is the UK's only peer-led charity and service for young people experiencing mental health difficulties. We don't save people. We help people realize they have value. An angel is trying to put her two cents in here. Uh, I hear you. We don't save people. We help people realize they have value, said its founder, Beth Ingram. The charity's national community is run entirely by young people with lived experience of mental health challenges. It's inspiration came from Ingram's personal experiences of being unable to find support from people her own age while grappling grappling with a mental health crisis. So this article is really cool, and that's the 17 bright ideas that are boosting well-being here in the UK. And uh, I'm sure there are other articles that are very similar in the United States, um, but I did not have access to them while I was doing my research. So, um, but... Out of these, I think it's great. And I know there's got to be some programs just like this in these states as well. And uh, so I just wanted to mention that it was a positive article and I loved it and wanted to share it with you. So that is my episode for this week. And um, Angel has decided that she has to put in her two bits this time for some reason. Anyway... Because she won't, she won't let me close the door without her being in here. And she then goes crazy because the door's closed with her in here. She talks to me almost the whole time. So a lot of times I cut out all the noise that she makes, but sometimes I just have to leave it. So I hope you all have enjoyed this episode and I look forward to next week and it will be my last episode on mental health for the mental health month of May. Um, but have a great week have a great day and talk to you soon thanks what is it angel what baby yeah want to see any more hmm? want to see more yeah yeah I know okay I love you Now go out today as you're going about your business, whatever you do today. If you come upon somebody that you see that has something on that you like or the hair has done some way that you like or whatever you might see that you like, let them know. They may be having a bad day and you could be giving them something that makes them smile. Tell them so. Tell them hi. Even just a smile or a hello 
will make someone's day. Have a great day, you guys. Thanks.